Hello and welcome to the podcast for Lansing Avenue Baptist Church of Jackson, Michigan. I'm Pastor Steve Sebring and I just want to take this moment to uh, let you know that we had a little bit of a hiccup with our recording last week and that the recording didn't work. So I will be re-recording a bit of the message, a little shorter version of it to upload here. Uh, I also want to invite you to check us out on Facebook. We have been putting up our live stream of our morning service there each week and then it stays on there afterward to be watched anytime you'd like uh, also you can check out our website and i'd certainly invite you to come meet with us in person uh, i'm sure the, the the folks here would uh, be a great blessing to your life uh, we do our best to give the word clearly to live it out in our own lives to bond together as a church family and encourage those around us and i'm sure uh, we can be an encouragement to you and your family also but why don't i go ahead here and we're going to be in second peter chapter 1 verses 5 through 7 we already looked at you know the previous verses you know 2 through 4 where we see we have many blessings that come through the, this relationship that we are to have with Christ. And, and we have at the end of that, in verse 4, this great gift that we are able to partake of the, of the divine nature as a part of our relationship with Christ. In other words, we are able to grow spiritually to be more like Christ in his character. Uh, that partaking of that divine nature doesn't mean we become gods of course we can't do that but we can be like him in our character and we can learn to be more like christ through that relationship with christ and so in verses five through seven peter is showing us you know the elements the ingredients of the spiritual growth it all begins with faith that you have to enter into that relationship with christ through trusting him who died for you and rose again this is the only way for us to have eternal life, the only way for us to have forgiveness of sin, the only way for us to have this relationship with God that was broken because of sin, now reconciled through our faith. So it all begins with faith, placing your faith in Christ, again, who died for us and rose again. And we're to add to, to generously supply to our faith, first, virtue, that is moral excellence, being what we're meant to be as followers of Christ. And what that amounts to is looking more like Christ in our character, growing to be more like him. That is virtue, moral excellence. And to that, knowledge. Whereas in verses 2 through 4, the word for knowledge there is, uh, bring out a little Greek here, the, the base word for knowledge is gnosko, which is just to know something. Uh, it's intellectual, mental, uh, but that word he uses to actually epignoso. It's a, a relational knowledge where it's you can on intro level you can know a person, your name, you know the face, you can know things of them. There's another level and you have a relationship with that person. That knowledge is deeper, where you know uh, whether it's a close friend or your spouse or parent or brother or sister, somebody you're close to, that. You can know kind of what makes them tick. You can know their likes and dislikes. You, you not only know some things about that person, but you know that person on a relational level. And that's the sort of knowledge that you know, leads to all the things in this list. But the knowledge that 
he's talking about here in this verse that we as believers need also is that just plain old we need to know stuff uh we need to be in the word in the bible so that we can know what's true and what's false to, to know what's right and what's wrong uh, to know who our God is, what he's like in his character, what he's promised, uh, to know the wisdom that he gives. Uh, just like in you know, other areas of life, in order to you know, become better at something, you need to know certain things. To, you know, to work on a car, uh, you need to know basic stuff of how a car works. Uh, if you're going to uh, deal with a car that's overheating, it's good to know that you should not open up the radiator because... You know, hot coolant will be spewing everywhere and that will hurt uh, whatever it is you're doing you need knowledge to act on and our walk with Christ is the same way to know who Christ is uh, to know what he's done to know what he wants of us and we need to be in the word to have that knowledge uh, to, so, to knowledge it adds self-control this is that ability for us to say no to our desires and our emotions to Instead of being led by desires and emotions, we are acting off of this knowledge that we have. And we lead uh, those desires and emotions, again, rather than um, those leading us, which is usually how the culture around us does it and how we're tempted to do it all the time, is to be driven by those things. But instead, we're to inform uh, ourselves through the Word so that we act on truth. Because those desires can easily trick us, as we see in James chapter 1, uh, to see that there's those uh, desires that draw us away and entice us. But uh, as we keep going here, uh, the next two that we'll look at here in part 3 begin with, also in verse 6, <clears throat> after self-control, is perseverance. If I'm going to grow spiritually, I need to grow in perseverance. Uh, spiritual growth and faithful service will certainly involve hardship. Whether that is you know, hardship that comes from dealing with our own self, our own, you know, that old man, that old uh, nature that is against God. Uh, we'll have those desires pulling us away from the Lord, temptations, all that stuff coming from within. But we'll also have you know, trials from without. Uh, just living in a fallen world. The uh, Lord taking us through tests to grow us and learn us uh, certain things. We're to persevere, which means to you know, keep doing the right thing, keep serving Christ no matter the circumstances. Uh, one author puts it this way, that it is a the ability to continue moving forward or standing one's ground despite suffering and opposition. And certainly that's well... You know, involve, you know, we need to know what's true. That knowledge is important to help us through trials. Uh, and also self-control to <clears throat> keep living by, you know, truth rather than feeling emotion uh, through trials. But to, to keep on going and to let, you know, patience have its perfect work, as James puts it in James 1, 2 through 4, uh, that we're even... You know, you count it all joy when we enter into various trials because the Lord uses those things to help us grow, help us to become more, uh, to grow in our endurance, to have more patience. Uh, just like an athlete, you know, puts in that time in practice or out of practice to, to run, to build up endurance. You know, I grew up playing basketball and football and all that, and 
you know, into practice, you know, coach would have you run uh, different sorts of sprints. And that was uh, not coach being mean or not coach uh, just liking to watch us run, but uh, that was to help us grow in our endurance to be able to still hopefully perform when we're tired, when it's late in the game. Uh, and as believers, we want to grow in endurance to keep doing the right thing in hard times. And another author you know, talks about endurance uh, for the believer. It says, From the habit of self-control springs perseverance, the temper of mind which is unmoved by difficulty and distress, and which can withstand the two satanic agencies of opposition from the world without an enticement from the flesh within. The mature Christian does not give up. His Christianity is like the steady shining of a star rather than the ephemeral brilliance and speedy eclipse of a meteor. There are few more reliable tests of faith than this. True faith endures. I like the way the author put it there, that we as believers, our walk with Christ is to be like that constant shining star, uh, continual, consistent, rather than this just flash in the pan, just one uh, bit of brilliance, uh, like from a meteor. <clears throat> so we're to, whatever's going on around us, you know, there's going to be trials. We are living in a fallen world. We're to persevere, keep following Christ. And certainly this is a part of spiritual growth, learning how to, you know, keep following Christ continually uh, through ups and downs of life, through good times and bad uh, but how does the how does the Christian do this? How does a Christian make it through good times and bad, focused on Christ? Uh, it's not through self-reliant determination. We do not have the strength, but we need to trust God for the strength. But we do it through a mindset that's focused on God. That throughout whatever we're, what's going on, we continually want to please the Lord. That we want to know Him. We want to see him work in us and through us. Uh, also, we are reminding ourselves of truth, keeping biblical perspective that this trial will not last, that God is still on the throne, that he wants to work in my life, and that through this he'll draw me closer, make me more like Christ, and hopefully even use me in the lives of others. And we remind ourselves of truth, keeping our eyes on our God. You know, I was listening to something here a while back, and it was a uh, retired uh, Navy SEAL that says he gets all sorts of questions on, you know, how did you deal with the hardships, especially, you know, how did you get through BUDS, which is their, you know, training course they go through to become a SEAL. And there's a certain week in there where they are kept awake, basically from, he said, Sunday to Friday, uh, pretty much a week. I mean, people would ask, do I need to you know, take cold showers, stay awake, get myself ready for all that? And he said, no, just, uh, you can't get ready for it. You just, what's going to get you through it isn't your body, but it's your mind. It's your, the way you think about things. You know, we as believers have that same sort of thing going on, that the way we get through trials isn't through our own strength, but it's through a mind and a heart that are set on Christ, that are focused on him and his truth. 
And so I'd encourage you, whatever you have going on in your life, make sure he is your focus. And whatever trial you have going on now or whatever trial you have coming up, stay focused on Christ. And you know, certainly go to the Lord, asking him for help, asking him for guidance. You know, go, Going back to James chapter 1, uh, we're told there that if you are going through a trial and you need wisdom, which is going to be true of any of us, go to God. Ask him, but ask in faith. Ask trusting the Lord that he'll work, that he has that wisdom. Uh, ask the Lord with a commitment to go through that trial faithfully, the right way. And when we do that, it says there that you know, he gives faith liberally. He gives, or sorry, he gives wisdom liberally. Uh, he doesn't hold it back, but he gives us what we need, and he does so without reproach. He's not going to mock us as he as he does it. He's happy to give you that wisdom. So run to God for that wisdom. Stay faithful to Him. Keep your eyes on Him. Don't let hardship turn you away from the Lord. Don't allow it to turn you bitter toward God. But keep going. Now I know these things are you know, easier said than done. That's why I'm thankful for you know, fellow believers uh, to lean on, to be an example, to encourage us to, to keep our eyes on Christ. You know, I'm thankful for the folks of our church here that as I, I look at them I, I see several examples of people who have gone through very difficult trials while still rejoicing and you know, praising God for all he's done and continues to do and they could do that because they were close to Christ they could do that because the, their eyes were on him and I so appreciate that example and that that encouragement to those around them, even while they are going through great difficulty. And so I've, I just wanted to you know, praise the Lord for, for those folks and the folks of our church. And I'm sure you can find examples like that as well. Um, certainly look in the scriptures to see folks who went through trials focusing on, on the Lord. You know, Job is a great example of someone who went through some of the worst trials that you know, we could ever find examples of lost everything humanly speaking but stayed faithful and we have you know other folks going through things like that in the scriptures and then we all have also you know our church history whether it be the church fathers or the you know missionary stories you might be able to find people who are faithful through great difficulties so we have many examples to learn from but the thing that holds all that together is a relationship with Christ his eyes and hearts set on him so let us persevere. Let us keep going. And so that mindset, that again, that is focused on God and His truth. The next element here, we've looked at perseverance, and now we're to add godliness, as we see in verse 6. Godliness is, as one person puts it, an awesome respect accorded to God. <clears throat> It is you know, being in awe of God, respecting God, recognizing how big and awesome God is. Uh, another author adds, it was the, the primary word for religion in popular pagan usage in those days, in the first century. The religious man of antiquity, I'm still quoting here, both in Greek and Latin usage, where the equivalent word was pietas, where we get the word piety, was careful and correct in performing his duties both to gods and men. 
And so what we see here uh, from this this quotation I just gave you was this sense of awe of God was to lead to both a way we treat God and a way we treat other people. That it affects every area of life. That I'm to seek to honor God in every area of my life. You know, the uh, the word ungodly is used often in the scriptures. And ungodly is the opposite of godly, of course. It means to live as if there is no God. Uh, to uh, not respect the Creator. Not to respect the fact that there is a moral lawgiver. And many of the world lives this way. And even... People who are Christians live like this some way. They live practically as if they do not serve God. And all of us are able of, of living that way. But the godly person recognizes God as his authority, recognizes God as loving and powerful and deserving of our faith. And that affects every area of his or her life. It affects how we worship that we make sure we praise and we spend time in his word, that we pray, that we spend time with other believers in the church, that we follow God's commands and how we worship. It also affects how we treat other people. And in all my relationships and how I deal with um, spouse, neighbor, kids, uh, strangers, uh, hobbies, time, possessions, finances, everything in my life I'm to deal with in such a way that I'm seeking to honor my God. That's godliness. Uh, just come back to another quote here from another writer. It says he lives, this is the godly person, he, he lives above the petty things of life, the passions and pressures that control the lives of others. He seeks to do the will of God, and as he does, he seeks the welfare of others. This is, this quotation here uh, says basically what I have been saying here. There's both a, this affects the way we treat God and affects the way we treat others. It affects every area of life. I recognize I do not belong to myself. I've been bought with a price. And that price is you know, Christ taking my place on the cross. And in his death and resurrection, he provides a way for me to know him and serve him. And hopefully one day hear him say, well done. So I should live every part of my life seeking to honor him. That is godliness. <clears throat> and this is not a, a sort of you know, head-in-the-clouds sort of way of living, but it's a reverence of God that leads to Christ-likeness in all my relationships, in the way I use my time, in the way I uh, you know, treat the church, in all sorts of things, all parts of my life. It's a very, as one person author puts it, it's it's a very practical awareness of God in every aspect of life. That we honor Him in all things, uh, and this begins with our with our mindset, just like endurance. You know, what is your view of God? Do you view Him as Creator, Savior, Sustainer, as as God who is big and powerful and deserving of your time, energy, and every bit of you, or do you see Him as just a part of your life. You know, I think we often do that, that we kind of say, here's my God stuff I'll do, but then the rest of my life is mine. I'll do what I want with it. But to be godly, I can't do it that way. To be godly, I have to honor him in all things, to recognize he is uh, my authority in all of my life. 
that I can't compartmentalize these things. And so my, my view of God is immensely important to life. Everybody's view of God is really important to the way they live. Because uh, we will act according to what we believe. So how do you view God? That's where godliness starts. And from there, am I acting like, you know, I really believe the answer I just gave? Am I acting like I really believe that my God is my God, that he is my creator, sustainer, savior, that he is that important and deserves that from me? Because the, the godly person will worship God through whatever he or she is doing. He or she will also be faithful in the Lord's command, such as being a faithful part of a local church, uh, identifying with Christ through baptism, and remembering Christ's sacrifice in communion. Uh, the godly person will also honor God in the way he or she treats other people. We honor God when we treat others as people who are loved by him. We honor God through Christ-like character towards others, whether that be truthfulness, love, mercy, grace, justice, whatever it is, that we act like Christ towards others. And again, like I said before, this means that the godly person does not compartmentalize life into God's stuff and my stuff. All of life is to be devoted to God. So why should I be nice to my neighbor? Because that's a way to honor God. Why should I love my wife? Because that's a way to honor God. Why should I be a part of a local church? And again, you notice there I said be a part of a local church, not just attend. Uh, but you're, it's a family. It's a group of believers working together, growing and learning together. In the descriptions of the, the church in the Bible show us that it is vitally important to a Christian's life to be a part, an active part of the church. Now, of course, people have different things that they're, they're gifted in and different abilities they might have. And some people have you know, physical limitations that keep them at home or different things like that. But, but we can participate through prayer, through conversation, through encouraging one another, through giving, all sorts of ways that we work together as believers and to realize we're a part of something bigger than just ourselves and we do all that we get great benefit from it but of course before that even we do it because it's a way to honor and worship our God he deserves that we live godly lives by giving God his due in every area of life do you honor him in how you worship do you honor him in how you treat him his word his church and his creation, his, you know, my fellow man, whether they be believers or not. Do you honor God in how you live? That is godliness. And so those are the two parts we looked at this week of, of Peter's guide to spiritual growth. And in the next message, we look at verse 7, where we see that we're to add brotherly kindness and love in our walk with Christ. Will you grow in Christ? Will you take, you know, will you make every effort to enjoy the great blessing we have of being able to partake of the divine nature? We'll, we'll pick this back up in the next message in part four. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen in to this week's message. I really do hope and pray that it was an encouragement and a help to you in your walk with Christ. Uh, if there's any way we can be an encouragement to you, let us know. We'd love to pray for you. Uh, certainly love to meet with you and talk with you. 
I'd love to have you here for a service. Come meet us here at Lansing Avenue Baptist Church on a Sunday morning. Our morning service is at 11. Uh, and again, we have been putting those up live stream on Facebook. You can catch us there uh, if you'd like to uh, get a little, get to know us a little bit from a distance that way. But again, we'd love to have you as part here at our church. Uh, let us know again how we can pray for you, how we can be an encouragement to you.